Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. High atop a mountain in rural Appalachia, in Upper East Tennessee, is a rock in which strange figures are carved. Nobody quite knows why there's a figure of a man, and a figure of a gun, and a figure of a violin crudely carved into this rock, now known as Fiddler's Rock. But what everybody can agree on is if you listen closely, you can hear the ghostly chords of a fiddle playing in the wind. But why? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking, (laughs) Becky. Well, hello, Hainted Loves. Welcome to Homespun Haint's bonus edition. I am Becky. And I am Diana. We recently interviewed Brandon Schecksneider of Southern Gothic, the podcast, and Southern Gothic Media. He has a lot of projects that he does with his sister, Brianne. And he told us a story of Julia Brown, something that's near and dear to his heart because he's from New Orleans. But he also hinted at another story that you can find on his podcast about Fiddler's Rock. And of course, I was intrigued because I grew up right by Fiddler's Rock. It's in Johnson County, which is about 30 miles from my hometown of Kingsport, which is in Sullivan County, right next to Johnson County. So yes, very close by. This is a location that we used to hike. I personally, I don't know if I've ever been to Fiddler's Rock. Probably. I don't think there's a (laughs) bit of those mountains I haven't traipsed on at some point in my life, but I don't remember ever having it pointed out to me and be like, that's the rock. But, you know, I always was encountering weird things. But it is. It's a rock, and it has these strange carvings on it, these strange, crude carvings. It does hmm. exist, and there are ghostly fiddle sounds that you will hear around the rock. All of that is 100% hardcore fact. Okay. <laughs> Even the ghostly fiddle sounds. Yeah. I stand by that. However... What we don't know is why. Oh, really? But there are quite a few (laughs) legends. There are so many legends around this strange little rock. Hang on. So the legends didn't come first, and then people started hearing ghostly fiddle sounds. They literally just went to this rock, saw the pictures, heard fiddle sounds, and made up, made up, well, I say made up, but... 
Which came first, Becky, the fiddle sounds or the legend? I don't know. That's what's so cool about oral history in rural parts, right? You don't know. You don't know. It's folklore. It's beautiful. It's so cool. I'll first tell you the story that Brandon talked about on our show. And he goes into a lot of detail on his own episode. So we'll put that link into our show notes for the Julia Brown episode. Of course, being from the area, I have my own twist and my own thoughts on it because it's something I grew up with. So I'm going to tell you the version I heard, which is just a little bit different from what Brandon says in his episode. About a hundred years ago or so, sometime in what would have been called Victorian in other parts of the world, but of course in East Tennessee, (laughs) there wasn't anything Victorian about that area. (laughs) There was a man by the name of Martin Stone. Interestingly enough, this rock is on a mountain called Stone Mountain, which is not the same Stone Mountain that's in Georgia. Now, Martin Stone made his living by being a traveling violin player. He played everywhere that would have him. Weddings, funerals, get-togethers, barn dances, barn raises, all of the above. Anytime you needed music, Martin was there. He was a professional country fiddler before there was such a thing. The story goes that one day on his day off, Sundays, Martin didn't work on Sundays. He wandered up to Stone Mountain, to this very rock. You know, he pulled out his fiddle and he started playing to the mountains, just relaxing, working on his day off. I don't know why. Why he'd even have it with him, unless he had planned this. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to work on something or practice something and not have anybody listening to him. But anyway, as he was playing, he noticed that the rattlesnakes in the area started coming toward him. Now, in Tennessee, we have three kinds of snakes that are venomous. (laughs) We have three kinds of snakes. And as a kid, you are taught this in kindergarten, in kindergarten. Other places you learn your ABCs, not in East Tennessee in the 80s, you have a lesson on snakes. You are told what snakes you can avoid and what snakes won't hurt you. And the three snakes that we learned about. Oh, oh, can I guess? Can I guess? Okay. Yes. Yes. You can guess. Are they all types of rattlesnakes or is rattlesnakes one of the types? Timber rattler is one type. Timber rattler is one type. Mm -hmm. And then cottonmouth. Mm -hmm. And then copperhead. Very good. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Of course, as a teenager, I learned there was actually a fourth snake because I ran into it. (laughs) Is that the elusive trouser snake? What? Sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. You said you learned as a teenager there was a fourth kind of snake that you ran into. I was a little nervous that you're going to start <laughs> talking about penises again. No, he, no, like no, 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 no. No, I, I literally ran into this fellow. He was a water moccasin. <gasps> oh, there's those. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They look a lot like copperheads. I was hiking as I was wont to do. Like I said, I traipsed all over them, their mountains and I was running through the woods. Sorry, my, my country's coming back. I can't <laughs> tell the story without the country slipping back in. So I was running across a bridge. Oh, happy do, 13 years old, doop, 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 in the middle of nowhere in the woods. And as I made my way almost to the end of the bridge over this little creek, I saw him 
and he saw me. And he came up and looked at me with his beady little eyes. And I, being mid-run, froze in a way that only instinct can make one do. On one leg, mid-air. And I don't know how long we both sat there and stared at each other. He was maybe two feet away from me. But we did. We sat and stared at each other. Neither of us daring to blink. And I stood on one foot. The only movement I made was when I heard some family members coming up from behind me because we were all hiking together. And I took one hand that was still in air and I turned it around and put it behind me to motion stop. But none of the rest of my body moved and my eyes did not leave that snake. And after for what seemed like an eternity, he decided that we were going to be okay. And he slithered off the bridge into the creek and I put the other foot down. That's how I discovered there's a fourth kind of snake in Tennessee <laughs> that you got to be worried about. Wow. Oh, did the uh -huh. family coming up the road, did they stop? Yep. It was my dad and my sister. You see, you see a 13-year-old girl on one foot standing perfectly still, making the motion to stop. You stop. Because <laughs> that ain't normal. <laughs> okay. So your instinct to stop, it worked kind of like the Jurassic Park. They have yeah. to see movement it thing, just... reptile brain. I think I just wanted to indicate to it that I was not a threat. He stared right mm. in my eyes. Mm. But it was almost like there was like a weird psychic connection. Ooh. And I just froze. And it was like every part of my being was saying to the snake, I won't hurt you. Please don't hurt me. Let's go about our own ways. I think I know why it didn't hurt you. It knew you were a fiddle player. <laughs> I could tell. It saw the calluses when you held up your hand. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, anyway, that's that's how I learned that there's water moccasins in Tennessee. They didn't teach me yeah. that in kindergarten. I was kind of upset. But we learned about every other kind of snake. Anyway, Martin Stone was up on this mountain. And he brought out his violin. And he started playing. And a rattlesnake came toward him. But instead of attacking him, the rattlesnake just looked at him, glassy-eyed, even started to sway with the music. And Martin realized if he played faster, the snake seemed like it danced a little faster, waving its hips around. I know snakes don't have hips, but try and think <laughs> about it that way. And as he played slower, the snake slowed down, and other snakes started to come. All these rattlers coming up and listening to Martin play. And they formed kind of a semicircle around him. I envision him standing up against the rock with it behind him, playing. And then the snakes all in a semicircle around him, just kind of watching him play. And then when he was done, he slowly slowed down the music and got quieter and quieter. And the snakes came out of their trance and backed away. Well, Martin, being an enterprising man, some say he was young, some say he was old, just depends on who you ask. He decided this is a way he could make some money. 
because <laughs> snakeskins, you can make all sorts of things out of snakeskins, boots, oh, yeah. belts, hats. And it's, you know, it's it's kind of dangerous to deal in rattlesnake skins because rattlesnakes are kind of venomous. There's a reason that they yeah. taught us about it in, in elementary school because that's how rural I was. So then the next Sunday, Martin went up there again. This time he had a plan. He played his music. He got the snakes in a trance. And then he pulled out his shotgun. Ooh. And shot them down one by one. Some say he used a shotgun. There's also legends that he took a pitchfork. <gasps> and trapped the snake's head between the pitchfork prongs and then stepped on the head to kill it. That sounds very risky. Pitchfork prongs are just about wide enough that a snake could slither right through them. It's just one of the stories. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a scientist. I have to ruin everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's kind of difficult to like, I just feel like that's hard to aim. I don't know. That's the story. With the shotgun. That's the story. He pulled nice. out a shotgun, shot these snakes <laughs> dead. And he just started doing this so much. He was getting rich off of it. He was known as the snakeskin man. You wanted a snakeskin, you went to Martin Stone. I keep wanting to call him Martin Sheen. You would go to Martin Stone and he would get you all the snakeskins you wanted. And he was making a killing. Well, the legend states that one day he got all bold and ballsy and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to waste my Sunday doing this. I'm going to go up at night. And he bragged to one of his friends. He had just gotten these boots, these thick leather boots. And he's like, I'm going to be so safe. They can't bite through these boots. These are thick leather. And he went up there. And he never came down. Some versions of the story say that people started to get worried and went looking for him. Some versions say another man passing through on the trail saw his mule tethered to a tree. And follow the tracks to find Martin's bloated body lying on the ground, covered in snake bites from the knees up. Because, yes, they didn't go through those boots. But uh, if anybody's watched my TikTok on the snake that was on my back porch, snakes can climb, folks. They can, they can jump, too. They, they coil jump, and spring yes. at you. Yeah, that's... Especially a rattlesnake. They love coiling up. I think it's that their jaws aren't super strong to penetrate. Uh -huh. They have to actually get some momentum force to penetrate. They jump at you. So good old Martin Sh Stone. Martin Short. Martin Stone. <laughs> uh, always Martins. I'm picturing Martin Short doing all this and it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> Martin Freeman. Oh, so many Martins. Steve Martin. Okay, so it's Martin Stone and his bloated body is on the ground, covered in snake bites, swollen from the snake bites. Also, all the stories say, whether it was this lone traveler or it was the village people looking for village people. Oh, my God. The village people. Yeah, it's just town That's people. That's why they don't have a fiddler to this day. <laughs> exactly. Got everything else. <laughs> everything else. <laughs> when the townspeople came up and found his body, rigor mortis had set in, and they actually had difficulty transporting him down the hill. And everybody was so curious about it that they had to sneak in through the back door of the undertaker's house just to avoid a crowd. Now, two stories occur about how his fiddle was. One says that his dead, bloated body 
was still clutching the fiddle in one hand and the bow in the other. Another story says that his violin and bow were sat neatly on the ground, as if they had been placed there carefully. The story I grew up with said that what speculated happened is while he was playing, he's playing really hard, he's he's getting all fury going, and he dropped his bow. And that sudden jolt woke the snakes up out Mm. of their slumber. And that's when they attacked. Yeah. I believe it. I believe that one. I don't believe a bit of it. <laughs> I The way that snake charmers actually charm their snakes is not through the music, but the movement of their instrument. They hypnotize the snake by moving. Wouldn't you imagine his bowing was kind of hypnotizing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then he drops the bow. The snakes shake it off and go, oh, shit, interloper. Uh, no. Can, can you really charm a snake? Can it really be done? Me, no. But I can't play the fiddle. <laughs> I think snake charming is an actual practice that people do by playing an instrument, but the way they play the instrument, it's always moving back and forth in a hypnotic motion. Yeah, I mean, a violinist does tend to sway. Plus the bow going back and forth, back and forth. That's true. Okay, so maybe. Here's what I think. I think that this is a time when Orientalism is like, probably seeping into Appalachia, this like idea of like, ooh, the eerie East and all their weird traditions with snake charming and stuff. And I think that Stone Mountain, Martin Stone, I think there probably was a traveling fiddler named, or, or probably a fiddler in town named Martin Stone. I think you definitely can hear the fiddle playing from that rock. I think he may have died from snake bite. Maybe he was trying to collect hides on the side, but I don't think he was charming snakes. Mm. I think that that is just a just a legend that kind of emerged. Maybe it's something that he was telling folks how he got the snake skins, ah, so that they wouldn't know his proprietary snake hunting methods. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you have to be a master violinist to be able to catch snakes like this. Don't even try it. Just keep buying them Maybe. from me. Maybe he had come across like a snake babies or something who knows but the reason i have trouble believing that story is there's another story that makes a little more sense and this is the story that outside of tennessee you hear that snake charming story a lot but kind of inside tennessee this is the one that i hear more this is the one that's a little more official to the area and that's that that particular area had once been a gathering place for parties. Mm. There are the remains of a road there, a stone road under the trail in the grass. And so that legend says that it was called Fiddler's Rock because the fiddler would stand on the rock and the people would gather. And that's why there's so many carvings there. That does you know, make sense. Would come yeah. over and have a good time. There's other stories about why there's carving there. One uh, says that the carving points to a still so bootleggers through there would be able to tell which direction to go there's another one that says that another symbol on the rock is pointing to a silver mine which has never been found that was discovered in the 1700s by one guy those are all the legends but i think that it was 
a place where people gathered, a place where people made music. Maybe one of those music makers was Martin Stone. Maybe he claimed to go to that rock when people weren't there and kill snakes. But I don't think he was charming snakes with his violin. We'll have to set up an experiment. We'll take you to the zoo. (laughs) You can play your violin in front of the snakes and see if you can charm them like Harry Potter. I don't need to go to a zoo. I live by two (laughs) lakes. I could just go stand by the lake and see if the copperheads come out. Yeah, but we want to try this with the glass in place first, right? I mean, what if it doesn't work? You're saying yourself that you're skeptical. Well, they won't come at all. That's the thing. (laughs) Oh, I see. I see. I mean, I, I got I got a big old rat snake on my back porch. I could see if she wants to. Rat snakes you know, are so chill. It, I mean, a rat snake would probably never even think to like try and strike a human. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't weird. expect it to strike me. I just want to see if it'd be like, oh, I'm just going to dance to this music. Oh, well, maybe it has to be a snake that takes down large prey because you know the the snake is like waving and standing and watching. Have you what seen you're the doing. size of the snake? The snake could take down a gator if it wanted to. A snake's enormous. Go look I at hope, TikTok. I hope it's someday huge. I'd like to see a snake eating a gator. That would be so happy. <laughs> wow, that was a great story. So you're more skeptical of the snake charming aspect of that story than you are the supernatural disembodied music. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think that it was once a place of merriment. Okay. And that's why there's still fiddle playing to this day. Okay. Okay. I, I, I believe that. I don't discount that maybe there was a guy named Martin Stone who was selling snake hides and could also play violin and maybe made up a story. He was catching the snakes and then Martin Short would sell them for him, I'm sure. Martin Stone. <laughs> Whatever. Martin Short. <laughs> <Bunch of> Martins. <laughs> this is all I'm picturing now. I'm sorry. This is a fantastic visual now that I've got Martin Short and Martin Stone all Stone. confused. Oh, that's, that's, that's a cool story. There's plenty of pictures of it online. And you'll see, it's, it's very easy to tell what the things are that are that are carved into it, but they are very crude drawings. Hmm. But you're carving into a rock with probably another rock. I mean, it's not exactly <laughs> Michelangelo quality <laughs> materials. <laughs> There's more to that story. You can go look it up. There's all sorts of legends about that rock. But those are the two big ones. Those are the ones. I don't care about the still. I don't care about the silver mine. I care about the fiddle, the fiddle music. And the merriment that still haunts that mountaintop site. Oh, one other thing. I don't know if it's true or not, but the song I was told that was often played on that rock was a fiddle tune by the name of Fire on the Mountain. And this is a tune that you are supposed to play so fast that your bow catches fire. Ooh. And um, I'm going to try and insert a snippet of it here. See if I can get it fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) Becky, that was charming. I enjoyed that story very much. And listeners, if you come upon a snake in the woods, just don't move anything except your bow hand, or you're going to have a spooky day.
Homespun Haints is hosted by Becky Kielimnik and Diana Doty and produced by Homespun Haints Media LLC. Editing and music by Becky Kielimnik. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhaints.com slash submit. Let me give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com. Deep in the bowels of Oklahoma exists a passageway that has remained locked for decades, untouched by mortals. We don't know why it was sealed nearly a century ago, but we are thirsting to find out. So thirsty. Do you have the same insatiable curiosity as us to see what lies beyond its threshold? On September 24th, 2023. We will unveil the shadows together via live stream as we open this sealed passageway, slaking our thirst for arcane knowledge. And we want you to be there with us. Virtually, of course. This may be dangerous. We don't have liability insurance. Oh my eye! But what will we find? Is this passageway a sealed tomb? A hideaway for treasure? A portal into another dimension? Maybe it's alien. Even we won't know until September 24th, and you can be there to discover the secrets with us. I'm not scared. Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement to RSVP for this event and find out how you can participate in this interactive adventure with us. As long as there's darkness to explore, we shall remain its loyal devotees. RSVP now and immerse yourself in the abyss of the unknown that is Diana's basement. <laughs> Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement.